All right, we ready to go? Yep. Mike, ready? My takes are heating right now. They'll be hot by the time we go. <laughs> all right. <Yep. laughs> <laughs> Hope you're ready. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Mike Munzenreiter. This week, we're talking about glue. But first, the Carlisle Group became the world's most successful Supreme reseller by doubling their $500 million investment and selling their stake in the company to VF Corporation, who now owns Supreme outright. VF also owns Vans, The North Face, Timberland, Dickies, and a bunch of other brands. Patrick, what does this new development mean for Supreme? Um, I think it means everything and nothing. So as you mentioned, VF owns North Face, Timberland, Dickies, but they also own Horace Small, which is a major supplier of police uniforms, right? And I think that leads us back to an earlier controversy about who's putting money into skateboarding, right? And I think you have to be a bit naive to think that a company like Supreme can stand on its own two feet just run by skateboarders. Even the most efficient and well-run skate companies, some of them end up seeking outside help or outside investment because of the scale at which they're working, right? Um, we saw that with Huff. Yeah, Workshop, too. Yeah, we saw that with, um, damn, well, I can't, oh yeah, Crailtap. You know, you saw the, you know, you saw a partial buyout of Crailtap. You've, you've seen it with quite a few skate companies that get to a certain level. And I think it's worth, asking or revisiting the question of why was it so controversial with Carlisle, right? And so Carlisle is this huge multinational uh, private equity and alternative asset management and financial services corporation. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> and they basically invested in Supreme for the same reason that they invested in Beats by Dre, right? Because they saw an in to make an incredible amount of money. So like Carlisle exited Beats by Dre, they sold a 50% stake for half a billion dollars, $500 million, and then sold their total stake to Apple, right? For $3 billion after just eight months. So I think you should really think about that, right? Um, clearly that if you're an investor, right? If you are a working for a hedge fund, you know, you see streetwear, skateboarding as something that is becoming increasingly mature um you see people who are buying selling and trading items with very high resale value and supreme star has not dimmed i mean a lot of folks have had their criticisms but they've never not been popular it's just now that they are in another realm they're in another realm even for clothing companies right mm -hmm. i mean i'd say that they're, they're up there with the, the major fashion houses i mean mike what do you think I'm over here trying to type out the question, you know, what's what's the next skate brand that could even get on the private equity radar, you know, in terms of, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get much of a uh, another return on investment like that, but um, it would get really interesting if all of a sudden these types of companies, uh, they've got a lot going for them, skate brands start getting scooped up by investors who, you know, just want to grow them and, and make money off them. Uh, I don't know. We haven't seen like ill effects of it. And this isn't apples to apples, but I think of, you know, the newspaper industry where the whole, uh, you know, see a 30% profit margin, buy a newspaper, tear it to the studs and make it a, the, the newspaper an anemic product, but still get those margins. I don't know. I, 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 I'm skeptical of all of all of it. And it's also super interesting. See, like, by contrast, though, see, a newspaper, at least in a functional democracy, is a public service, right? Uh, the news is effectively a, an additional column 
within a democratic society, right? They are uh, acting as an additional check on a on a democracy, right? Supreme is selling shirts and skateboards and skateboard wares, right? Like this is as close as you could possibly get to selling a widget, right? Yeah, exactly. Like this is peak capitalism right here, right? Because with a newspaper, there is the question of, am I undermining the public good that is being done by this publication? The whole point of starting a skate brand is to sell stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it makes total sense. But the thing is, there's very few. I, can you think, maybe, maybe World Industries 20 years ago, like peak flame boy Wet Willie, probably would have been an early, um, an early candidate. But Steve Rocco ended up going and um, he basically plays the stocks now anyway. Right, <laughs> but that yeah, but they. I mean, they sold that. World. Like World got yeah. got sold. There was like a good Jenkum article about how they. Uh, somebody behind the scenes was like, "We're not going to ride this wave forever. We're on top. Let's sell. Let's sell out and get while getting's good." And they did it. So like, props to those genius. guys. Yeah, pretty far. I, mean, I think it just what Patrick said, and more on that World point. It just kind of undermines the idea that any of this that there's any like virtuous element to it and so i do remember the carlisle group you know that was that was a good humming online debate and you had you know not necessarily conscious guys i'd say were conscious pro skaters on instagram posting up a bunch of stuff and yet you know what what is the moral dynamic is it after a certain point in scale that you have to start to care about it i mean i i think with um with supreme it when they sold to the Carlisle group before that, I think that they still felt kind of self-made, you know, like it, it, so like their first foray into venture capital, you know, it felt like a, a big move. Whereas this is just like, Oh yeah, these big companies are just like trading shit around. And then like James Jebba is still in the top spot. So I think that, you know, having the captain still on the ship makes a huge difference. So I think it's not, you know, like we talked about this before with, with zombie brands. It's, you know, Supreme's not a zombie brand, not yet. True. Yep. Also, like, let's look at the company that they're going to be with, right? North Face is still tight. Timberland, yep. all day, every day. Dickies, Vans. I mean, first of all, this is, um, from a supply chain perspective, this is going to make doing collabs easier, right? And also, those brands still have clout. People still buy a fresh pair of Tims every year for the winter time. You know, a North Face Steep Tech will still keep you warm. They still look fly. <laughs> but you, but uh, Templeton, you raise a good point because um, there was a debate. There was some online chatter about it. And specifically because at some point in the recent past, Carlisle Group uh, did have some dealings within arms trading. And I think I would take, a, I'd make a little bit of an aside here, right? There's the the morals, right? And the rules of conducting business within regular regular capitalism and then there's the arms trade which is on some whole other worldly shit right and there is you know for example if you look at say extraction industries like oil natural gas right there's a finite amount of oil in the ground right mm -hmm. but there's always going to be a way to manufacture things you know to manufacture weapons of war somebody's always going to be making money off of that and so they operate on another plane you would never know who these companies are never you would never know where these um where their conventions are at and it's an incredibly lucrative industry and i think that there was there was some concern about there was there was a concern for folks who feel as though um how can Supreme be, you know, be bought by a company that was dealing with something like this? And I'm not one of those people who, 
is into the idea of what is it, Tina, there is no alternative, right? Thatcher and Reagan's whole thing about capitalism, that it is what it is. It's basically them saying it is what it is. Um, but, you know, I think a lot about bands like Gang of Four. Gang of Four was on EMI, and EMI was part of Thorn Group. Thorn Group had a huge arms trading, um, arms trading division. And their thing was that in this system, in this world, you can't have clean hands, right? Unless you're going to do something that is, you know, basically a co-op. You're going to basically do a band like Crass. So, which then asks the question, is skateboarding willing to actually build towards a new alternative and not just stand on the sidelines talking shit? I feel like that'd be a great transition to our next topic <laughs> if we weren't just 10 minutes into this one. But yeah, I, I think that, um, I, I say this a lot, like maybe just to myself, but like the skateboard business is not skateboarding. You know, it's like we don't necessarily need any of these brands to go out and have a good time with our friends. So I think that we shouldn't lose sight of that. But yeah, I think most people who are doing a skate brand, I don't know, they're entering into like a capitalist uh, arrangement. So they kind of like, you got to just play the game by by those rules. Yeah, it's like the capitalism easy pass lane. <laughs> I don't know you if know? it's necessarily easy you, pass. It, <laughs> I mean, it's like, you got to pay more, but you get through faster. And, you know, when we read about companies that are barely keeping it together, barely keeping the lights on and... You know, we see the folks on Supreme at least getting a regular check, able to live decently, go on cool trips, put out great videos, probably even finance some other cool brands on the side. That's pretty powerful. But, I mean, is somebody willing to actually try doing what, say, Jeff Travis from Rough Trade Records did in the late 70s, like running a record shop like a co-op and eventually a record label like a co-op, you know, uh, flat management, equal pay. You know, is anybody willing to try to start willing to try to start experimenting and trying to figure out some sort of alternative structure? I feel like no. girl, I, you know, like I don't I don't really have much visibility into their finances, but I feel like somebody once told me that at Girl and Chocolate, all the pros made the same amount, uh, and maybe there was like some royalties on top of that. I mean, there must have been because like I don't know, Costin mm -hmm. must have been getting paid more than Tony Ferguson. That's just not fair. <laughs> yeah, but but Tony Ferguson is doper though. <laughs> Maybe uh, true. There's the hot. Take. That's not a hot take. Tony yeah, Ferguson I, always skated to dope music and put out great parts, and then he bowed out. And now he's doing a luxury shoe brand. That's yeah. hot. Yeah. Yeah. Cleaner yeah, legacy. Think, yes. No doubt. And I think you know, although I have nothing substantiated here, but you know, most of the troubles that uh, kind of broke up the girl that we knew and love were all about money one way or another from uh, jeremy rogers if i remember the rumors and stories i'd been told on up to you know mariano and costin not that long ago departing to do numbers i think there's i don't know if it's skaters insecurity or yeah the fact that it's just a bunch of for um much of its history a bunch of dudes trying to you know play king of the hill or whatever but i just mm -hmm. i i think that there's a lot of built-in things within skateboarding as it is now that don't allow for that that type of cooperative action yeah i think there's also just like when people reach a certain point in their career they probably all start to feel like they're getting fucked over like oh yeah. wait i'm only i'm like the best dude on this team and i'm only making x like fuck this oh, yeah, you know right. and there's some <laughs> somebody's in their ear like hey we can go over here and start a brand and then you can make all the money and then you can you know you can be the one fucking over your riders. <laughs> That's just how it goes. Like, it's your turn. Yeah, it's a tale as old as time. It really is. But then, you know, y'all hit me with um, a really interesting point that 
Supreme is not only in uncharted territory, they've been riding the crest of this wave for a hot one. For and at some time. point, everything in skateboarding becomes uncool. The coolest brands in the 90s, early 2000s, we, we're laughing at some of them. <laughs> or we've it, forgotten them. I think, you know, I, I wanted to ask, at what point does all this, you know, just the fact that it's making rich people richer, clearly, at what point does that actually start diminishing the brand? And I know, Patrick, you brought up the people they support, the videos they make. So, like, the videos are cool. The guys and women who ride for the brand, they're cool, if not in, like, kind of a rad, dorky way, I've always thought, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they support Share Strawberry. That's cool. But overall, for, like, me, you, Templeton... Is Supreme itself actually cool? Which is, I mean, a question I can answer pretty easily just because talk I that think talk. that, that the, the whole vibe, you know, oh, I should add, you know, like, is Ryan Hickey talking about the old days of Supreme in New York cool in a Chrome Ball incident interview? You know, he's giving stories about making, <laughs> knocking down busters, you know, who, who want the stuff. Like, all... All sorts of stuff surrounding it are cool, but I don't actually think it's cool. And I think a lot of it has to do with the scale. Like, if that many people like it and want it and everybody knows about it, it, it in, in my mindset, it can't possibly be cool. Oh, you, you just you just define popularity. That's popularity. If everybody has it, right. everybody's into it. It's popular. It's like in high school, right? You can't be popular and cool at the same time. Right. You know? <laughs> it, is pop- it is possible to be well-liked and appreciated and feted. Uh, and be kind of square, right? And it's possible to be cool and unpopular. Like there, there was a two punk rock dudes in my uh, AP chemistry class. Bobby <laughs> Davis, so awesome. Biggie's the one who showed me. Uh, he had a Rocco deck, the Rocco with the the fan, with the girls fanning him. He had that board with the the tiny little you know bearing hugger wheels and everything. I'd never seen. You know, you just didn't see boards like that in the late '90s. People didn't keep things around. You know, he was an early collector. Yeah. He had a, a, he, him and his friend, you know, were super smart. They were like the two guys from SLC Punk, which is a great movie, by the way. Um, you know, <laughs> but like they weren't popular, but they were cool. They were two of the coolest. They were like probably the coolest guys I knew in high school, you know. But yeah. and also, I think I think one of the things that's kind of uh, soured folks on Supreme, and this is not to their doing, is honestly a hype beast culture, which is basically consumerism on steroids. But at the same time, though. Uh, considering that most people, especially, you know, we're all pushing 30 or, you know, pushing, pushing 40 or past it. Most people our age dress terribly, (laughs) especially once you leave major metropolitan areas, right? Like people do not try to do anything cool. By contrast, you have hype beasts who are actively going out and going OD on Supreme, which is a bit much. I feel like it should be a flare, just a bit, right? It shouldn't be all over, right? It should be the hat or the shirt. Not both. Yeah, like it's the the Coco Chanel um, thing. You know, look at yourself in the mirror right before you go out and take off one thing. Like one, I think for her it was like <laughs> take off one piece of jewelry or something like that. But it's like take yeah. off one piece of like hype beast material before you leave the yeah, house. Yeah, just just carry a wallet, yo. You, you don't need the you know you don't need the uh, you know the the bum bag fanny pack over your chest. Just carry a wallet. Yeah. Yeah, my, my experience with skate shop life and or reading the comments on uh, skate shop Instagrams whenever a shoe is coming out uh, has has soured me, I'm sad to say, on that whole culture. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, it, there's nothing cool about that. Like, it, what's cool is doing shit, not buying shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, though, Supreme has, especially now, I'd say in its 90s and early 2000s incarnation, where it was a, a lot more remote, right? And you really had to be in the know, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just, that was a completely different business. That was a completely different time. I, I don't think that they could, I don't think that they could exist in 2020 operating under the same model. Because like one thing I remember from that Ryan Hickey interview, he was salty. He was salty. Like it was actually kind of scary in a way. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like this guy, this guy, you know, he's like, uh, what's the quote? He was uh, a man with a fork in a world of soup, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, it was it was probably and I've read a lot of interviews. It was probably one of the most negative things I've ever read and even more negative than like Bo Turner, because at least with Bo Turner, you know, there was like uh, the thrill of, you know, the fight and uh, how acerbic and, and, and how difficult he could be. With Ryan Hickey, you were just wondering, I was like, dog, you had some nice chances here. You still feel mad. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think kind of backing up to what you were saying about, like, Supreme in the early days, um, it makes me wonder, it, like, what is the underground? Is there an underground, like, in 2020? Because I remember, I don't know, skating used to be how much obscure shit could you have or, you know, like... I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I would never say I was like the backpack hip hop kid, but there was kind of like a hunt for, okay, like the random shit you heard in an escape video. And the harder to find, the better it was, you know, pre-streaming even. Totally. I, maybe maybe there, there's just no, it's not possible to have an underground scene or, you know, legitimate underground stuff unless it exists off the internet. And then... How hard is that? Like, what do you guys think? Um, it, I think it does exist. I think whether we like it or not, though, it, it has a presence on the internet. And the thing is that because the internet goes on forever, you really have to be in the know to find out about certain skaters, to find out about certain scenes. And in cities, in actually, I mean, it, it might be the stuff that's happening, honestly, in the Midwest, in the Deep South, you know? Instead of rocking a Supreme shirt or a Lottie's or a Kingswell shirt, you're rocking a humidity joint from down in New Orleans, right? You're, you're, getting, you're, you're wearing shirts or you're wearing stuff from shops that are not uh, in major hubs of uh, major historical hubs of skating, right? That you yeah, might yeah. have a shop in Minneapolis, Chicago, you know, Pittsburgh, whatever. Like, that's what's hot. Like, that's actually something that's different because you have to know about it. Like, you either have to know about the scene or you happen to be down there for whatever reason, or you went and made the trip. Like, there's still so much undiscovered stuff. I guess the thing is that it, it's not... Um, I think also skateboarding has chilled out a lot, and so people aren't nearly as protective or as uh, corny about uh, wanting to play secrets with everything um, everything that they're wearing, every video that they have, you know, the pants that they're wearing. Like, people readily and, and happily share information now. So the underground is just different. It's still there. Well, I would argue now that you've kind of got the mind humming over here, it's like there are such big companies like Supreme where they almost are such a large presence on the scene that just by nature, other things have to be smaller and smaller. Like they'll exist, but there's only so much actual attention that can go around. I think I've turned the corner on my on my underground thought. Yeah, I, I think that there's always an underground and we just don't have our ear to the ground anymore like we used to i think i would say otherwise i would totally say otherwise look at quarter snacks quarter snacks is underground i don't know man i think 
I think what my problem is that like my, you know, washed 38 year old ass can't be into the underground. Like there has to be something else or, or it doesn't exist if I'm not into it. But no, I, I mean, I wanted to shout out Quarter Snacks as a different New York based brand that I'd rather rep a hundred percent, you know, that's but legitimately av- small and kind of exclusive. The, the average person who knows a decent amount about media skateboarding, so like Tony Hawk, uh, X Games, Olympics, whatever such and such. They don't know about quarter snacks. Um, a lot of cats on the West Coast, like if they're above a certain age, they don't know about quarter snacks. All the kids know about quarter snacks, but the, you know the old heads don't. It's just those of us from the East Coast, like that's what you know we're about about it. Uh, but I, I think I think quarter snacks. I, I just wanted to add, we're all extremely online when it comes to skateboarding and. You can also lose sight of that. And also I've noticed um, in my rare forays onto the slap board that like quarter snacks, the viewpoint maybe is not necessarily like, I don't want to say mainstream, but that's probably the closest to correct word for it. There's like, it's a minority view, kind of a quarter snacks worldview. So you're probably right. Again, turning the corner here. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just like, it's just that Supreme is in this, they're in, uncharted territory they're in rarefied air there is no other skate brand skate affiliated brand that has been in this realm in which now you know you know they've gone from being uh have you know from carlisle group and now to vf corp right i mean i don't even see how this is controversial considering the vans has been under vf for some time now and folks haven't really set up people i mean the funny thing is it's always you know I think there's a misunderstanding even there's always been oh yeah vans are publicly traded like go look at vf corp stocks like you know it wasn't like a parent company that also owns north face etc i mean at some point at at some point supreme will stop being cool with hype beasts it will stop being cool with uh with, with fashionistas or here's the alternative. What if what if Supreme ends up being like Ralph Lauren Polo? What if Supreme is the blue chip, you know, the blue chip stock of skateboarding fashion? What if it's just it's evergreen, ever dope? I think if they if they keep James Jebba on board, I think they'll be good. But I think once once they install a new I don't know what like CEO, creative director, whatever James Jebba's, you know. If they install a new captain of that ship, I think that's going to be, you know, the beginning of the end. You think so? I you do. Think yeah. Dill could do it. Mm, I, I maybe maybe if like James Jebba like anoints his successor, that could be like a good uh, a good way to transition and keep it tight. But I mean, isn't Ralph Lauren still involved at Polo? Yes, yes, he is. That man is a genius. Yeah, so <laughs> and know, yo, Polo is not a zombie I don't brand, know. <laughs> and I, I think that once once Supreme becomes a zombie brand, it's gonna like you know just be out there in search of money and no longer uh, making. Yeah, it. it's gonna be a. It's, it'll be a sad day if they ever end up in like uh, yeah, you, know, you ever find them in like a regular, a regular department store, J.C. Penney <laughs> and Macy's, you know. Even if they ended up in Nordstrom, right? <laughs> I was gonna say Nordstrom, man. Even then, it would be there would be something a little bit odd about it. But at the same time, maybe Supreme becomes one of those, uh, you know, one of those brands where you bring in people. Like I just mentioned, D- Jason Dill. What about say Dill is creative director for a couple years? You know, 
but kind of like how major fashion houses all over Europe, they'll they'll bring in somebody. It's like we wanted somebody to refresh the vision. We wanted to <laughs> something edgy, different, new. That would be dope. Just make it a canvas for people to get weird, and folks will just buy it because it says Supreme. I think so that could be really cool. They get like Jesse Alba. I think he'd be a good uh, a good creative director. I feel like Dill is maybe like too old. I think it would be dope. He'd be like uh, Jean Paul Gaultier. You bring him in when you're trying to just get eclectic and weird who on this podcast owns owns some supreme gear I, I can't speak to it i don't is what i should say if i want to be clear about my answer i have two supreme business cards from the 90s from when my dad went when he was on a business trip dang yeah that's pretty dope actually yeah nice uh let's see i got a a couple of dress shirts which were great when i was going into an office and several hats, including this one uh, old houndstooth hat that I bought about 11 years ago. It's completely fried, but that is my lucky hat. I've learned so many new tricks rocking that hat, so shouts to them. That sounds like a dope hat. There's, there is something special about Supreme Gear. I mean, we've talked about this as skaters who are very much online, either on hashtag skate Twitter, on Slack, or have several, um, several group chats just talking about skateboarding. But what about people who don't do any of that, who are just skaters? They watch videos, they go skate, but they don't really think too much about the industry, the politics behind it, the money behind it, or their hype beasts who don't really think too much about any of this. And all they care about is, where am I going to cop the next whatever that drops? Do regular skaters actually care about these kinds of mergers and acquisitions? I don't think so. Yeah, I think the easy answer is just no, because no. <laughs> and... You know, if they didn't care before, I doubt this is going to be the one to uh, really, really make them care. It's weird. It's it's strange when like this is something that we could talk about probably for hours. Right. And if you've got a, a large group of skaters in a room who are very switched on about these kinds of subjects in the news and in media, that it could be a very lively and lengthy discussion. But there's like a whole sect of skating where they're just like, oh, OK, what does that mean? Like, oh, word. Ah, cool. When I think it, it comes down to what Templeton said kind of at the top of this discussion, which is, you know, that, that guy who says, oh, yeah, that's what's up. OK, word. It's well, how does that actually affect me? And I know, um, you know, the hand wringing that has been constant and ever since Nike, you know, first started trying to knock on the door. Now it's in the house chilling in the armchair and like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they own the house now. They own the house. They have the house. Yeah, we're bringing them drinks. We're bringing them drinks. And I've always been kind of like, okay, yeah, fine. They make shoes. And I don't know how that actually affects the act of skateboarding with my friends. And yeah, it's it's the same thing with this. It's the same thing for that, you know, more more beautifully naive skater who's not always plugged in. You're almost you're almost jealous of them. You know, that the gears in the head are not turning every time that news like this drops. They're just like, whatever, it's news big deal or they they kind of just shrug their shoulders at it and they keep it moving you know it's a catch right you know it's one thing to be an informed consumer but like what is it like to be on the other side to just consume you know yeah i mean ignorance is bliss but it's still uh still ignorance yeah <laughs> you know to be the uninformed consumer to just be able to just go you buy stuff you keep it moving you're not thinking about emissions you're not thinking about anything how about some news people should care about, Templeton? 
Well, Supreme's Share Strawberry was joined this week by Leo Baker, Stephen Ostrowski, and others in Glue Skateboard's first video, Smut. Uh, Mike, what did you think of Smut? What did I think of Smut? I'm going to read your note uh, saying that we should probably start off by acknowledging that we are all cis straight men here, so uh, keep that in mind, I guess. Uh, on Smut, that video is fucking cool. Uh, I cannot think of a video with a stronger hair game right now, right off the top of my head, but on a more serious tip, and I'm cribbing what you wrote below my notes, Templeton, um, that video, and I think glue skateboards more generally, is what skateboarding thinks it is, like in the highest terms, except glue and then smut, the video, is radical and I think in a lot of ways for, like, the normies out there, like, it's a subversive video and it's kind of dangerous for the normies, to be clear. And I loved it. I um, have been a fan of Cher Strawberry forever, following her on Instagram. And, you know, it's super rad to see uh, Cher doing well because there were dark posts. I can't say much more about that. Leo's always been a rad skater. Skated with them in like 2006 at Damn Am contests around here. So skin in the game for real with that. And uh, I'm envious of Leo's half cab no slide nollie heel flip. I think, uh, yeah, just a really good video. A lot of Strobeckian shots. The influence is there. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's in that vein of skateboarding that is really popular right now and really resonates with people that. You know, there, there were there. You could have a short list of easily recognizable influences with the video, but I don't think it diminished it because there's so much personality and so much honest personality in there that you know just makes it a likable product and really interesting in a really interesting time in skateboarding. What do you guys think, Dumpleton? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, speaking to the the Strobeckian vibes, it's like uh, it's almost like them doing a cover song it's like a punk band covering a country song or something it's like you know the influence is there but they really made it their own like they put their own spin on it or just just by them being them in front of the camera you know they owned that uh you know those camera movements and setups and stuff like that yeah and uh, leo's nollie heels are very enviable i i appreciated the beginning where they just like they showed it yeah. like they showed two of them like in a, in a row, and I was like, "Is this like a trick tip? Like, can I, you know, figure this out from from this? Because uh, I'm I like so close to fucking being able to do a non heel flip." Uh, sorry, that's that's personal, uh, but yeah, um, I I think it's it's one of those videos that's gonna be important in skateboarding's history. Patrick, what about you? How yeah. how do you feel about the video? Loved it. Best soundtrack of the year. Straight up. It kind of reminds me, speaking of, on uh, on Strobeck, it kind of feels like a camera online, outstrobing Strobeck, F.A. better than F.A. This <laughs> is, and I love the description in the, the Thrasher interview where they called it the gay Baker 3. And I think that that kind of ties to something bigger. And thank you for that disclaimer at the beginning that we are all uh, cis straight, you know, cisgender straight men. But it's important for us to talk about this and here's why, right? Because representation doesn't just matter, right? It's actually more interesting, right? Mm -hmm. it, this is way more interesting than a lot of the videos from the last two, I'd even say 10 years, right? And for me, it's interesting because, yeah, I'm a skater, but I'm also a musician. I write, 
I like fashion. I'm into art. I like books. And just at surface level, I have way more common with the people in this video than with, say, like the get in the van type of skate videos, right? No knock on like the Ruka jeans, white tee. Uh, we're going to go and skate some handrails. <laughs> like that's its own thing. But this feels more like big city energy. This is like, like it's actually, you know, it's like a weird mix of like big city energy and then also suburban queer culture and goth energy. And, yeah. you know, these are the folks like when you were, especially if you grew up in any American suburb, these are the folks as a skater, you would gravitate towards hanging with them because they, they were, were cool. part of the crew. They didn't line. judge you. You didn't judge them. And they had the best taste in music. They had amazing taste in music. I, I, I really, really hope that this video ends up influencing other people to go and do their own thing in the same sort of fashion, right? And it like you guys said that it references Strobeck. I feel like this is its own thing. Actually, I think it, it, it works. I, it almost feels like Strobeck wishes he could do something this subversive. Yeah, and I think the more we talk about it, I, Templeton and I were both thinking about you know a single shot with uh, with Cher putting on lip you know black lip liner. It's not lip liner. I should know my makeups better. But um, you know if 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 it's not, it's kind of like sampling. You know it's it's yeah. it's repurposed. It's dope because you know the reference is obvious, but it had its own effect. You know with Cher's strawberry in there and. Geez, I'm terrible. Steven, too, you know, it's, I don't know. I think uh, you said subversive. I've said subversive. It's what skateboarding needs, because skateboarding can be so damn boring. I liked the primitive video, but... Yeah, we didn't decide yeah. to talk about it. We didn't decide. Yeah. We, we, we opted for this because it was that much better and that much much more exciting and interesting. Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is uh, Leo Baker, they're having such a cool and really, really interesting Instagram presence, same thing with Share Strawberry, and that yeah. that is actually becoming a, an incubator for videos and scenes like this, right? Like, folks are getting together, DMing, meeting up, doing skate meetups, right? And yeah. it's dope. It's really cool. This is, this is, you know, this is partially the result of that, 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 that little corner of the internet where people can just be themselves and share images, share videos that are cool, build a community around it. And then, you know, now there's a skate company with an actually cool, you know, with a, with a cool video. And I think it would have been amazing to have a video like this in the 90s, in oh the 2000s. Um, you, you have to wonder how many skaters really could have, really could have used this kind of representation in a video that they were watching at home. Because I think we, you know, it's worth mentioning that in the 90s, 2000s, early 2000s, skating was still wildly homophobic. Right. And, and super square, actually. <laughs> I, like, like, let's keep it funky. Like, skateboarding is kind of boring at times. And there was an era where it was really, really, really boring. Where it seemed like the whole industry was dominated by big productions and like the whole get in the van type of thing. Especially when you started to get issues with you started to get issues with licensing music. So the music got super boring too. And this is such a breath of fresh air because dog, it is such a nice thing to see a video where you can tell that the people who made it have good taste in music <laughs> that you would, you would, that you would rock this on a mixtape CD, Spotify playlist, 
whatever. It is infuriating how many bad videos are out there, and they're bad just because somebody's not into music or culture or art or anything. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like they listed the music in the beginning the way that you list the the people that are going to appear in the video, you know. And I thought that was like, you know, it's like they're saying like the music is as important as the people you're about to watch. And like I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's almost like I don't know, kind of like MTV how they list the music, like the name and album and all that shit before the song and then at the end of the song. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm a, I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> no, MTV, but, hey, MTV, MTV used to be cool. Yeah, I'm kind of nostalgic. I, there's an MTV classic where I could be watching like a 120 minutes at some point in my day, and I would totally get that, but uh, cost money. <laughs> yeah, Anyways. and this is this is also a video where where you when you are referencing certain types of music and fashion and haircuts, jewelry imagery there's even like some like there's some little in jokes in here too you know like wh- where there are videos where there'll just be a random random quote and people will just say like for example like one of the earliest was from uh, questionable never understood the vibe about skating rocks right mm-hmm. this video has a few of those <laughs> and like it, it just like it, it and, and that's what ties it to uh that's what ties it to skateboarding's canon skateboarding's history that this isn't an over serious art project. That they're they're definitely having fun and they're definitely a, a cool gang. Like this is a bunch of people I would like to go and hang out with. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, on the quote tip, share at the church. Stephen does the caveman board slide. She says something in earnest about you know being really excited about the trick, but then clowns yeah. afterwards. <laughs> and that's just great. Like it made me think there was. There was some like back smacking and some high fives and being goofy. Um, I think I like I turned the corner a long time ago, but I really have to speak out about performative hugging in skateboard videos by presumptive uh, straight men and how yeah. fucking tired that is. Just because <laughs> I don't know, man. These kids want to jump in the shot the second after their boy makes the trick. It's like get out of here with that. Um, yeah. So shared <laughs> clowning. Just clowning on the whole idea was fantastic. And then I also think about um, the, the, the jacket and what was pinned to Stephen's jacket when he's doing that stuff at the church, because that is also, like, I won't say it, but God's favorite. Am I getting that? Those yes, yeah, that's right. Right? God's favorite. Yeah, big XYZ. F-bomb. And that, that shit's hard. And that shit is, like, an incredible statement and... Um, no, I think I said like, you know, holy shit or something to that effect when I think Cher pulls it up so that you can read it on camera. And it's like, you know, there there's some clear and powerful statements in the video, too, where, you know, pe- people taking apart a skateboarding and fucking running with it. And it, it just it's invigorating to watch. Yeah. And I think what's also super important, too, is that um, it's not just enough to big up yourself for being an ally, y'all gotta support these companies, man. Y'all gotta y'all buy some boards, buy some stickers, buy some shirts, rock that. If you're an influencer, rock this stuff because it, it doesn't do anybody any good to you know applaud ourselves for doing the right thing. You're supposed to do the right thing. Like make this aspire to make glue as big as supreme, if not bigger. You know, reach for the stars. Reach for the stars. Like don't just let this be. Um, you know, like a fringe entity in skating, like make this like normalize this. And 
that, that's what I think. That's something that really, you know, that's something that really, really, you know, that needs to happen. Like support these businesses, throw them some cash, you know, throw the like uh, there's the you know, there's a lot of um, skate nights, skate groups, uh, skate meetups for for queer and, and non-binary people and for women. You know, if they're if they're raising money for something or if they're taking donations, throw some cash, you know, because those meetups, those those hang have done an incredible amount of good for the people who get involved and they feel because it's intimidating to start skating it's it's even more intimidating to go up to a bunch of people you don't know and be like yo let me session this curb with you because you know the disclaimer says everything you know we are cis straight men and there's a certain amount of macho posturing that has come with our skating experience and we've been able to navigate that world of skating up to this point because it was for better or for worse more or less built for us right yeah. Yep. That we can just roll up and be like, "Hey, what's up, dog? You like, yo? Let me skate this curve with you. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do this again soon." That's super intimidating. <laughs> if it's not, you know, tailor made for you and the way that you you navigate through the world. So, like, I, I would I would tie that to I would tie supporting those meetups and supporting those uh and giving uh, giving all these folks a follow on Instagram too. You know, and change switch up your feed a little bit. You know, it doesn't all need to be. Uh, <laughs> It doesn't all need to be pure, adult, unadulterated skate rat, whatever. Sometimes you need, no, definitively you need other people doing different things in skating. Here, here. They've got a VHS copy of Smut, from what I can tell, in a big plastic, like, Disney home movie case. Yo. 30 bucks. So no more nice than a second What's that? Nice reference to 101. Remember they did that for was it um was it Falling Down or World War II report? I feel like Sorry. Falling Down they had like a bunch of random movie boxes that they put stickers on. Was that yeah. Falling Down? That, falling Down had Adam McNatt dressed as Michael Douglas from the movie. Uh, oh, okay. and it okay, might have so. been it was it was a promo prior to that, and I'm yeah, only so. doing that on secondhand knowledge, but. Okay, yeah, that was World War II report. I guess that's I guess that's the name of it. But yeah, the first one on one video. Dude, see again, see, it's tied back to skate canon, you know? It's a dope reference. Yeah. I wish I had a VHS player though. Dang. Well, I think we'd we'd uh, be remiss if we didn't mention that there's a long interview with Leo, Cher, and Steven up on the Thrasher site that uh, Todd Jordan of all people, as far as <laughs> my expected interviewee or interviewer was going to be um, it's super lengthy and um, it's super cool because there's a lot of excitement that comes through in it of having the three people, the three people that do glue together. Like there's a lot of energy in the interview. Um, I know Templeton, you kind of cited it in your notes. What what jumped out to you about that? Yeah, I thought it was like a super, super good interview. I kind of think a three-person interview feel like it kind of bounces around a little bit and it was a little hard to follow at times when they were talking about how the company came together. For sure. But uh, all in all, it was like there was like a lot of really good uh, morsels and it kind of like revealed a new perspective of like, you know, Leo's been in the in the game for a long time and been in the van with a bunch of, you know, cis white dudes and it was just like, that's just not their scene. And I can imagine how shitty it would be to be on like a month-long tour with a bunch of people that like are just like saying like shit that's makes you uncomfortable and um yeah it or makes you feel like not a person you know or right. worse i guess is my point yeah and i just 
I thought the interview really gave a good perspective on glue and like why glue is important and also just kind of like, you know, what they've been through in skateboarding and like, you know, hopefully will make people think before they speak in the future. And I also yeah, thought it was interesting, just... like, you know, they were talking about um, Unity and it seemed like they were all just kind of like down for Unity, the skate brand. And then they kind of felt like they wanted to do like a skate company instead of like what Unity is doing, which feels a little bit more uh, like a movement, I guess, or like they said, like a platform. So I thought it was rad that they're like, we mm-hmm. want to do like a traditional skate company, but like from us. Yeah. And God, there's so much else in that article. Uh what stuck out to you, Mike? Well, that Cher was for like a month before breaking an ankle for the third time, getting flowed by termite skateboards, which is just an, an amazing detail. I think more importantly, how all three interviewees uh, advocated for Marissa Dal Santo, just in terms of being like, yeah, Marissa was done wrong by the skateboard industry. They named names. They called out Jamie Thomas and Facts. in a lot of ways. Facts. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason Marissa shouldn't, you know, unless unless she didn't want to do more, like there should have been the window should have been just gone. It didn't shouldn't have been open. It should have just happened. And the fact that Marissa got a pro board long after the time when she should have had one, I, I think speaks volumes. Right, and I, I yeah. I'm just now remembering that time that uh, I don't remember was it Vice or. Big Brother, somebody, like, basically gave Marissa, like, a girly makeover, which, like, even then, it it felt, like, really cringy to me. Like, but now, like, you know, it's terrible to just, like... Oh, yeah, it's wild. That was, yeah, that was Vice's whole thing for... Actually, well, I mean, to an extent, that still is their thing, which is uh, pushing the the boundaries of decency. But back then... They just really, really, really didn't care. And pretty much everything within the magazine, the early website was very problematic. It's incredible. I can't imagine something like that getting green light, greenlit in 2020. Um, yeah, it's kind of sad, really. And, you know, they, they talk critical. Well, um, they talk honestly. I wouldn't say they're critical of Brian Anderson's decision to come out and um, the Webby Award winning piece that Giovanni Retta did about Brian's coming out process. Because they feel, you know, felt frustrated that there were other folks who were definitely queer and in skating and were definitely pro. But, you know, why does Brian Anderson, you know, why does he get the marquee for arguably a huge piece of news and a very, 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 very personal, deep, deeply personal decision um, and something that he really wanted to share with skating? It's great. Like, it just like the energy just comes off of the page when you read this and it almost feels like you just want to hear more like you would love to hear them you know if there was ever like uh if there's another pushing borders at any time soon I, i'd want these three on stage and just throw a mic in between and, and have somebody just uh you know just throw a bunch of questions at them because they're mm-hmm. all very very opinionated um clearly probably very funny and, and also provide some real insight that again that we as cisgender uh straight dudes cannot we cannot even dream of uh uh, of of speaking on like they and they keep it funky. Yeah, maybe maybe you should be that moderator, Patrick. I feel like you do an amazing <laughs> job. <clears throat> That's like the second moderator job he's been offered this week. <laughs> <laughs> I need a vacation. I'm not taking another job. 
<laughs> I'm feeling burnt out. I'm waiting for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I feel you, man. I, I should say, uh, just real quick, as we, I think, prepare to move on, uh, props to Thrasher Magazine for having the headlined story on their site, Queer-Centric Skateboarding, the story of glue skateboards. Like, I don't know. I, I really do think we're in one of the... We are in the best era of skating in terms of who... I think I think it's fair to say who gets to be in it because it like like the gets is who can really in real who in real terms can come and be comfortable within it and I think that there's a long way to go there's still a lot of bullshit in skateboarding a lot of misogyny a lot of homophobia a lot of transphobia it's all there are many phobias that remain but it, the you know it's it's about as open, well, it is as open as it's ever been, and hopefully it just continues to do so, because um, from like a selfish point of view, it makes skating so much more interesting for me. Yep. And, and also, it, it, it means that maybe skating is actually starting to live up to that old cliche of, oh, skating's for everybody. It's like, really? Is it? Yeah, we're, getting, right? we're inching closer and closer and closer towards it. We're, still, we're definitely still not there, I think all of the Black Lives Matter protests and the controversy that even happened in skating, that there were some people who were feeling iffy about it. There are companies who were hemming and hawing and dragging their feet. That alone, you know, should be proof that, you know, you, you can talk all you want about skating being for everybody, but it's still not. And it's something, it's a goal to work towards, you know, a better world is possible. Indeed. We'll be stoked uh, to get there. <laughs> yes, Eventually. <we> <laughs> Uh, which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on building a frivolous new complete uh, Frankie Villani's awesome video part that you guys so well discussed last week. Uh, sparked me to buy a fo football shape board with his name on it. And then I just got some nine-inch ace trucks. I'm going weird. I've never messed with either of those types of products. Got a little piece of grip tape that Todd Bratrude drew a weird smurf on. He was selling those on his web shop for a little bit. Going to incorporate that. Got to figure out some wheels. Uh, we just got snow here. Snow that I don't think is going away for a long time. So who knows when I actually ride this thing outside. But I am making a frivolous new complete. And then uh, late breaking, I'm also stoked on my buddy Steve Nesser. He showed up on Chico Brennan's instagram he's out in california right now did a did a line with a backtail kickflip to fakie super well done on a ledge uh he owns familia skate shop and familia hq up here in minneapolis and uh it was a goddamn tough year to run <laughs> both those businesses and many different types of businesses in minneapolis for various reasons we had a lot of civil unrest we too had the pandemic uh, so yeah, I'm I'm just stoked on Steve ripping out in California and uh, the the shop and the skate park are open again. They were shut down over the year for various reasons or this summer for various reasons. So uh, yeah, just stoked on that. A little bit of normalcy in the world. Uh, Patrick, what are you stoked on? So I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels straight out of San Francisco, California. Today is my parents' 40th wedding anniversary. They got married today in 1980, Manhattan County Court. Fresh off the boat from Uganda. Uh, super, super bummed that I can't be with them. We were planning a big 40th anniversary party. It oh, was going to be super lit. And I was definitely going to DJ some classic hip-hop. 
it was gonna be it was gonna be a time. But next year, next year, next year, I'm stoked on. Oh yeah, I'm stoked on uh, Euro 2020, which has been postponed to 2021. France is in the group of death, and Scotland made it into their first international tournament since 1998. So shout out to Scotland, and uh, I think I want to get one of those uh, the Marby Miller boards after our conversation last week with uh, with Matt Price because they look dope. They look really, really, really dope. And this glue video is awesome. I'm definitely going to rewatch it after this. Uh, Templeton, what you stoked on? I am stoked on a little Instagram post that popped up this past week. Um, if you're not familiar with The Nut Daily, they're uh, a satirical skate news feed. And um, their most recent post, uh, as of this recording, uh, was an announcement that Patrick will be the new host of Jeopardy. This was like right after Alex Trebek's um, passing. And... Um, Whoever writes the nut uh, just fucking nailed it with everything. They fabricated a quote <laughs> that was like so dead on. Um, it, it just like had a smile on my face. I like went back to it a couple times throughout the day and like just read it and stuff. So um, that like truly made me like really happy uh, this week. And um, also in um, preparation for a future show, uh, lining up a guest and um it turned out that they already listened like i was trying to describe the show and uh, he's like uh, yeah i listen uh, so uh it it feels good to know that like people i respect um actually listen to the show you know like you know we make this little little show and um it's fun for us and it's cool to know that there's people out there listening that are also i don't know stoked on it so that's what i'm stoked on this week um yeah uh, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Uh, until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can people find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks or on Instagram at P. Kigongo. Mike, where can the people find you on the internet? On the internet, I can be found same handle, both places, Twitter and Instagram, at M. Munzenreiter. Templeton, where are you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Good night. Be safe. RIP Alex Trebek to God. Yes, that's what podcast that is just another change for our fellow countrymen say. Fellow top rock of plastic chases. Your boss edition of up and matters. Say, yes, Brown Mountain Clash. I'm a revolution, it's just a cash. I've become a fashion like him, used to be. I can't be a doing wrong, mate. Mimic our sisters, sisters kill. Mimic our breasts, a bad name will. I've become a member, giving your fellow loss. They just know that now you're gonna come. Fat loss, you're the one who's touching my pop. Fake jokes, start doing real what? Which revolution had a kid joke? Stuck from the system, I'd give me a snipe. Well, I'm tired of staring through shit, stay glass.